We've been talking a lot here on the News and Views Radio Network about ag policy, about uh, land ownership, about corporate farming, and whether or not uh, some of the legislation that was being proposed went far, way, way, way too far when it comes to opening up our corporate farming laws. Well, there's been people that have been working on that. They've been working on it behind the scenes. Matt Perdue has been the point person at the Capitol uh, with the North Dakota Farmers Union, which means that he works for Mark Watney, who's the president of North Dakota's uh, North Dakota Farmers Union. Mark, good to have you on News and Views. Thanks, Joel, and thanks for the time again. And Matt, good to have you on as well. Uh, this is a, a fast pace. I know getting you guys away for a bit. I I appreciate you explaining this to everybody. Uh, this is my way of checking, Matt. Are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me on, Joel. There you go. Uh, and Abby's going. You knew he was there. All right. So I want to uh, I want to talk a little bit about it. you have been strongly opposed to what was thrown on the table with the corporate farming bill. You had people go to the Capitol. I was one of the ones that went to the Capitol. Something changed, and uh, I, Mark, something changed in the sense of what. North Dakota Farmers Union is, is going to do, and I'll let I'll let you kick it off, and you can kick it to Matt when you want when you want to. Mark, go ahead. Well, well, sure, and and what I'll do is I'll send it to Matt to get kind of the the fine details of what we currently believe the bill to say today. So, for the last six months, we've had a, a quite a push from our governor, a commissioner, and, and some folks in legislature to make a major change to the corporation farming bill. Uh, we have uh, met with them many times. Uh, trying to get them not to make any moves that their law works and and we want the agriculture held in the hands of family farms and ranches and uh they they would not stop they they're convinced that this has to change we have to uh, make some adjustments uh, they're searching for ways to raise capital they're searching for ways to attract uh, businesses so uh, with that effort we decided that uh, when we seen the bill it was extremely harsh um, I mean, it really opened up a can of worms, and it really actually made a situation where uh, corporations would have had advantage over the current family farms and family farm operations. So we stepped back to our uh, what we call our Board of Governors, which is our county presidents, and said, we really have four options here. One is, obviously, we can do nothing. Two is, we can uh, just uh, get prepared to refer it if it passes. Three, we could try to get a study and in four, we could offer uh, some changes that would make it somewhat palatable for our membership. Well, the study option obviously was uh, uh, not the best because if, if you agree to a study, then one would expect you to accept the study results uh, based on what they come out, and, and we were unsure what that study might complete. So um, we weren't going to do nothing, and obviously referral is still always on the table in the sense of if they don't uh, accomplish what we think is palatable for agriculture in North Dakota. But from our Board of Governors, what we suggested, and, and I'll let Matt get into the details, but what, we, what they suggested is let's see if we can basically make this change that preserves family farm control. And uh, we believe that we uh, probably have accomplished that in the current bill as it's leaving the House. Now, there's lots of time left, so we'll see how that all plays out. Um, so we're still in that mode of, you know, we need to get what we want to make it palatable or, um, you know, maybe we won't accept it. And, of course, we're going to be in a neutral position till we know exactly what it looks like. So maybe, Matt, you want to describe the, the changes that were made. 
Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, to Mark's point, I mean, there were dramatic changes to the bill made really last Friday that addressed a lot of our members' primary concerns. And Mark talked about family farm control. What this bill does now is it says that if you are, it creates two new types of entities, authorized livestock farm corporation and authorized livestock farm LLCs, and it sets the rules by which they have to operate. 75% of an authorized livestock farm corporation has to be owned by family farmers and ranchers, and 51% of an authorized livestock farm LLC has to be owned by family farmers and ranchers. And then we, we complemented that by requiring that officers and directors of a corporation must be actively engaged in the operation. The managers and governors of an LLC must be actively engaged. And so that family farmer control piece obviously is the critical interest for our members. It was one of our biggest critiques of the original bill. Um, and, and, you know, fortunately, we had some folks in the legislature who were willing to sit down with us, uh, hear us out on that and, and work through um, some significant changes to the bill. Well, I mean, there's no question they had to. I mean, you, you've proven before, and when, when you've referred this before, I think you did it twice, uh, and it wasn't exactly like you won 51-49. I mean, you, you kick butt. When you're, when you're winning these things uh, well into the 70s, then the people of North Dakota have really kind of spoken. Uh, Matt, you pointed out that, uh, you know, it needs to be family farms that own it. I, I raised this question before, and I'll let you address it, which is, uh, when you look at the majority ownership, are you looking at X number of farms or are you looking at a farmer? Does one farmer have to have 51% and now others can invest in? So to get to that 75% or 51% threshold, you need a combination of individual family farm. Well, it can be one or a combination of individual family farmers, family farm corporations, or family farm LLCs. Those family farm corporations and LLCs, Operating under the current law, it's a you know relatively common business structure used today. The amendment does limit um, these new entities to ten shareholders, and so uh, you, you know that is really an effort to address you know kind of that concern that you're highlighting, Joel. The, the further we get away from it being one uh, shareholder, the more um, we get to a situation where passive investors can really have that controlling interest, and so. We put a shareholder limit on it to protect that and ensure that it doesn't get too far away from the the, the uh, kind of family farm character that we really are hoping to preserve um, with these new operations. And, and so, in addition to oh, it, addition to I'm it, sorry, Joel, Mark, I think ahead. it's important. Yeah, addition is uh, it, it's 160 acres, and then they can only have one shareholder can only have. Um, interest in 640 acres, which would be four. So you you can't have a shareholder that continually is expanding and growing. Uh, they have a limitation on that top side too. So I guess what I'm getting at, Matt, if you look at what the original version of this bill is, it's been changed drastically. So obviously there was a goal by those people who who pushed the bill in the beginning. What what are they getting? What what do they have that makes them say? You know what? Cut the deal. Well, in all the conversations that, that Mark and I and our members have had with legislators, I really boil it down to kind of three key interests. One, they wanted unrelated farmers and ranchers to incorporate together. Two, they wanted farmers and ranchers to access outside investment. And then really that third level is we don't really care that much. We just want to have livestock here. And what we said is you have to take number three off the table. We care who owns farms and ranches in North Dakota. We care who owns 
animal agriculture in North Dakota. And so, yes, we're, there, there's significant steps towards allowing unrelated farmers and ranchers to partner together, to incorporate together. Um, there's a step towards allowing them to access outside investment, but ownership matters. And we preserve that family farm and ranch control of these operations um, with the amendment that was placed on the bill and, and you know, the bill as amended and passed the House yesterday. I, I visited with a young rancher yesterday about this, you know, because word spread pretty fast that uh, that you weren't endorsing the bill, but it appeared that you guys weren't going to oppose it either. You were just going to stay neutral on it. And uh, the young rancher that I talked to, I, I said, how does this affect you? And, uh, you know, her answer was, I, I don't know yet, obviously. That was a fair answer. But I think I, I heard a twinge of fear in there in, in regards to, who she and her husband might be competing against uh, another day. And so should she fear something here, Mark? Should should uh, a young ag producer out there raising livestock, should they be fearful that the price of uh, pasture just went up, that the price of hay ground just went up, that, uh, that really what we're looking at here is uh, uh, something that's going to bring people in that you can't compete with, Mark? Well, I think the way this is structured, that that fear is substantially less. Uh, I mean, that risk is never totally ever away, regardless of of whether or not uh, you change the law, because you have currently a lot of investors looking at uh, getting into agriculture that have never been in agriculture, and, and, and that individual has that correct application at opportunity currently. Um, what we did protect against is that we believe uh, these the large packers that are controlling the meat packing side of things are not going to have as much of an ability to come in here and control the market. Uh, so we think that was the, the, the largest step that we could do if, if assuming that this bill continues down the path it's on and, and we choose not to refer it. So it's it's one of these things where you have to um, make your mind up if you're going to compromise at all or if you're going to hold the hard line. Uh, we chose to at least put forward some concepts, and, and the legislature chose to run with them to see if they could get something through that would finally be acceptable. Um, but you got to remember, Joel, this, it's, it's a different window of time. When we referred these in the past and the work we've done in the past, uh, we had a lot of people calling and showing up and a lot of people we didn't get the turnouts that we have um, we have uh, associations that are representing other parts of agriculture and uh, there's not anybody in the room with us again and uh, you know these these farmers and ranchers that that really want to stop this need to be talking to the leaders of these other organizations because they're saying even the first bill was okay and the first bill was ridiculously bad so I, I'm I'm really struggling here trying to get people to understand that you've got to step up. You have to participate in this process. This is a, a hopefully an amenable concept that makes sense. But uh, that's that's the hard part of being uh, in a session where you continuously have uh, people that want something a specific way that you've been fighting against for years. It's uh, one of these things where if people don't pay attention, you all of a sudden the momentum starts to change. Well, in, in other no, words, what you just, just – oh, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. If I could just add to that, the, the concern that that young rancher raises, you know, the original bill was limited to um, cattle feedlots, beef cattle feedlots. 
And what we've done in, uh, with the amended version of the bill is we've made it explicitly clear that these new authorized livestock farm entities could not engage in crop production. They could not engage in grazing of livestock. And so they're limited to 160 acres, but even with that, they cannot graze livestock. They cannot produce crops. And I think that's an important thing for people to, to understand with the amended bill. Okay. Matt, in you're getting, uh, you know, some people, because what you're doing is you're, you're going out there and you're looking at broader detail, detail, but there's a lot of people that are going to send me notices like this. And so hang in there guys. And, and, and think about this one. It says, Joel, isn't this bill just a foot in the door for the, the corporates? So over 60% of the voters in North Dakota just got railroaded. And, and you know, I'm I'm getting messages like that, guys, and it's best addressed by, by you two. So we hung on to them, ladies and gentlemen, two individuals that were out there fighting on behalf of North Dakota farmers, North Dakota ag producers, to make sure that the state doesn't open up wide compared to other states uh, when it comes to corporate farming. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to direct this one at Matt, uh, because what we talked about, if you're just joining us is, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a deal. If you want to call it, it, it's all still going to play out. I realize, but somebody's concerned, Matt, that this bill is just a foot in the door for the corporations that over 60% of the voters in North Dakota, uh, don't want this bill and feels they got railroaded. Your thoughts on that, Matt? Well, I was asked that very question last week when we, uh, you know, discussed the amendment before the committee. And my response there was, hey, we've come, we've worked with you guys in good faith. We've come to an agreement that, you know, we really think all of agriculture um, can get behind. Um, and, and what we said, or, you know, what I said there is um, that's obviously a concern for our members that this is camel's nose under the tent. But We've also made it clear to all of the bill sponsors, don't agree to this if you aren't willing to stand by it over the long haul. We've talked to um, the leaders uh, in both chambers of the legislature about that same sentiment. Um, and, you know, if, if they decide that they don't want to hold to this agreement or they decide in future sessions they want to, um, you know, change the law again, I think you can expect Farmers Union to be uh, fighting uh, against those changes uh, in the future. Uh, Mark, I'm going to throw this at you. You're the president of the Farmers Union. If if a debate comes up later in the session or another day on expansion of this, uh, do you think you'll be on a solid of ground? I, I think this actually makes it more solid, Josh, or more solid for us because um, we we we've given them now. Uh, a couple of tools that they say are necessary to get animal agriculture, and uh, and if if they believe that they need to keep continuing down this path, we're going to say, hey, we delivered on our perspective. We did not go down the path. Again, assuming this thing stays as is, because uh, we're not giving any more. And so if it stays as is, then the question becomes, uh, is this going to uh, resolve it? So I, I think we're on stronger ground that um, people can't just say, well, Farmers Union never, never, ever uh, opens up any ideas, nothing That's... new. And, and we're, we're thinking we can uh, make well... our case stronger. That's the one thing about it. So we'll stay in touch during the session. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for coming on and explaining it. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little more water right after this.